Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker Podcast interview episode. Hi, Chris. Hello, it's me, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I've got to keep the intro the same. And, and I know. I'm, 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 I was listening today, and I'm like, we sound insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> pretending we're just bumping into each other when we're side chatting. So yeah, let's just let's just let people in, like they just walked in. Like imagine walking into a pub and seeing an interesting conversation happen on the table in front of you. Mm. You wouldn't necessarily expect it to start with "Hi, <laughs> my name's Matt." <laughs> I know, but I guess um, we're not, you're not in a pub. But I suppose if you want people to, to sort of just, you know, come yeah, in and join us. I've got a glass. Uh, tink, tink. Oh, against the plastic, that really works. Tink. A packet of peanuts, girl. No. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you about peanuts. Well, it's not about peanuts. It's about pork scratchings. Hey, just, before we, go on, yeah. <laughs> just we go in, before we go into it. Because I don't know. I like a snack, like a pub snack or, or a snack just at home. And, you know, not necessarily in the in a pub but a takeaway snack let's just say like a <laughs> like a snack a snack well we were at a farmer's like a market out in um in the south uh, whilst we were camping a few weeks ago and we we made the mistake of walking past a stool and stopping and it was a guy selling like really expensive handmade uh, beef jer- like jerky and right, yeah. pork scratchings and there were all these lovely flavors. And my wife and I stopped and we looked and the kids were there and we, we looked. And then a guy came over and went, oh, no, guys, do you want to try? Do you want to try? And we tried. And, and uh, it gets to the point where he goes, well, do you want any then? And, and sort of my wife looked up and said, looked at me and said, I'm not making the decision to say 10. You know, so in the end, I walked away with 10, 10, pounds worth of <laughs> <laughs> 10 pounds worth of pork scratchings. And I thought to myself, I would never do that normally. And tens uh, worth of pork scratchings. You do yeah. get suckered into these things with these farm market, though. Don't yeah. You? you kind of stand there and you kind of go, hmm, I've tried your food. It feels wrong to walk <laughs> away without buying something now. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, I had a munch. I thought these have got to last me because there's no way I can't just because normally these sort of things would just take a few days for me to, in, to, to ingest. Yeah. Um, so it took about a week. <laughs> <laughs> 10 pounds worth of uh, pork scratchings but anyway yeah uh, as we were talking about pubs i'm just thinking about them now i would quite like to have a packet of uh, barbecue flavored pork scratchings anyway films films yes so um <laughs> you you did an interview chris i did i had the pleasure of speaking to richard from the the Betamax video club podcast it's a really interesting podcast which fantastic premise as well basically he works his way through the 80s back catalogue of movies um and some of them interestingly interestingly he's never seen before um so he gets like a first take on something like i know still magnolias or something uh and uh, anything like dirty dancing so it's going from the like terminator to dirty dancing to anything and everything gregory's girl from that era with a special guest um so it's a really cool podcast and a really good in like instagram and twitter feed as well because there's always little nuggets of facts and, and things from from those movies as they were released fantastic podcast but we talked about expendables three wow yeah and if you think about it and i hadn't really put two and two together but it is essentially an 80s movie wrapped up in 
you know, modern filmmaking processes because yeah it's a weird nostalgia fest isn't it because like everyone yeah. in it is nostalgic and that and that's the whole point which i completely missed because they said well what made you choose this film because because it's a bit of a you know change from your 80s kind of uh, vibe that you go down he goes, well yeah but it's kind of you know all the 80s stars there aren't they like, yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh so i kind of it kind of double taked and thought what a fantastic choice but yeah it's an interesting movie um we both um, have a lot to say about it so enjoy the interview Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's Chris and today I'm delighted to be joined by Richard Nelson who runs the Nostalgia Fest that is the Betamax Video Club podcast. Hi Rich and welcome to the Bunker. Thank you Chris, thanks for inviting me. It's um, yeah, good to be down underground for this one. Very appropriate place to be. Yeah, for these certain films that we look at, there's only one place to be and that is without daylight underground so no one can see you watching them I guess. <laughs> You've been doing the, the Betamax Video Club podcast for a couple of years now. Talk a little bit about that, uh, like I say, nostalgia fest that it is. Um, yeah, well, so essentially the, the podcast looks at a different movie from the 1980s each episode. Um, I've recently done the, the five James Bond films. Uh, they sort of tend to be, I would say, I mean, I'm not a film critic of any type. And some of the films, shamefully, I hadn't even seen before doing the podcast. So um, if you want to hear a very virginal take of, something like Blade Runner, which I hadn't seen before. That's uh, the podcast for you. But yeah, we've got everything from uh, Commando to Steel Magnolias and everything in between, Dirty Dancing, Conan the Barbarian. It's, uh, I think, nostalgia craze is probably the best way to put it, to be honest. What was it specifically about 80s movies that sort of really ignites the fire in you? Um, well, I think that there was just such a wide variety of films. And, you know, growing up in the 80s, you know, um, they're the ones that I kind of always... They're the easiest ones to stick on a, on a DVD or if you come across them on telly halfway through, you stick to the end. Um, and I guess being a sort of young boy growing up watching, you know, far too young sort of Schwarzenegger, Stallone action films, you know, they're always great. But you know, Bond as well. And a kind of part of it was also the fact that because I, you know, I've never been massively into horror films, it's kind of an incentive to go back and, you know, as someone who's 40 odd, going back and watch these films that I missed at the time. You know, I, I'd like to think that there's some slightly different alternative takes in there that people might not hear elsewhere. And mostly it's just an excuse to watch these films again and, and talk about them with people who generally feel the same. There, there aren't many films that I've done so far that I haven't completely ripped apart, say for the Garbage Pail Kids. But <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> most of them I've enjoyed. Um, some of them I've, I've had to look quite hard for positives, but... You know, just just getting to watch them again with a, a slightly different eye has been great fun. And it's, um, it's, you know that even though I've done sort of 50 odd episodes already, there's still so many that I haven't even looked at yet. So yeah, it's a, a lot of fun to be had. Were there any movies that you were surprised by when you've gone and rewatched them? Or as you say, watched them for the first time because you've missed them the first time around. Was there anything that surprised you that you know felt like it should have been better than it was, or had a you had a memory of being excellent, or it hasn't particularly aged well, and some of the tones aren't quite what they should be? Do you know what I mean? Um, well, weirdly, I, I think Dirty Dancing was one that I had always had in my head, and I had seen it before, and I'd always thought of it as, you know, again, inverted commas, a chick flick. And then when you go back at it and watch it again, and, and perhaps there's the, the benefit of age, and that you see there's so many themes within that film, you know, it was to do with class and 
abortion and all these sort of things that you don't think would happen in you know mid-80s chick flick that to me at the time just seemed like an excuse to show Patrick Swayze with his shirt off and you know it, again it has aged surprisingly well when you look at those themes but yeah there I mean there are some that when you watch them back now are horrible for, for numerous reasons I mean you know if you look at anything from transphobia to homophobia to, to even quite overt racism there is quite a lot of that in the movie in those movies but you know and, and there's only so much that you can say of oh well that was normal at the time because you know most of that was unacceptable even then yeah that's the thing you kind of have a rose tinted sort of uh, hindsight view I guess of these films and when you re-watch them again you kind of think oh that was a bit yeah I remember watching uh, Teen Wolf uh, Channel 5 put Teen Wolf on at a ridiculously early hour which I thought actually that would be quite good and then I was saying to wa- watch it at like 3 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and the amount of um, homophobic uh sort of language used mm. in that was shocking and I thought wow so even the, the, the TV bosses who you know would run the show uh, the programs I guess and pick films to put on would not have re-watched that to just to make sure that it was actually safe for consumption at that time and uh, of the day and yeah it was pretty shocking to see how far it, obviously for the right reasons how far we've gone in terms of misogyny and, and all that sort of it, all those issues that now is just completely unacceptable but at the time was thought to be humorous or to be acceptable you know what I mean so it's a shocker really yeah because one one thing I've noticed you know the I have found recently the the archive of when they do the the cuts for films and pass them for ratings in this country they in a lot of cases make notes and, and put them up on the website and they make notes of things things were cut for the violence or swearing or sex scenes or something like that but you know these days there, there is a lot more detail that that goes into and, and I do wonder you know, again even if a film were made now about that era you know how how far could you go you know there's the fine line between being historically accurate and just being all that offensive because even when you watch the you know there, there were five Bond films in the 80s and I've gone through all of those and you can see over the course of the decade how attitudes change particularly around sex um AIDS you know obviously becoming a big thing in the 80s and sorry for <laughs> bringing the, the whole tone down a little bit but um <laughs> you can see over the course of those five films that things were generally taken a lot more sensitively and and hopefully you know, a bit more responsibly as well to the fact that it got admitted to a little while ago saying that they had to take AIDS into consideration when they were talking about James Bond and his rampant sex life. Because even he wouldn't be safe, you know, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, he'd have been in, he'd have been in a clinic years ago. He, he would have had some other issues. For, and AIDS is the least of his worries. <laughs> but yeah, they've addressed that, I guess, heavily in the in the kind of the, the Bond remakes, or I guess not remakes, but the the Bond franchise as a whole. They're really trying to tone down that misogynistic and uh, dinosaur-like um, persona that Bond has nowadays. And even with uh, what I'm reading about Phoebe Waller-Bridge coming on and doing script rewrites for the new film, obviously they're going for a real definite tone and a shift in terms of how they want Bond represented on screen and having an equal to him and at least having him brought down a few pegs, which I think he well and truly deserves. Yeah. I'm not a massive Bond fan, to be honest. I like them for what they are, but I've often found them a bit too um, too laddie or, or boyish. And 
it's it's a bit it's a bit jarring, especially characters like Roger Moore, who I think potentially could have written the majority of the one-liners for the film that you've chosen to review today. You fancied a bit of a change, I'm guessing, from uh, 80s films. So, what what was the movie that you've chosen for us to talk about? Well, this one, I suppose, is probably a very apt comparison to 80s movies, and it's The Expendables Three. to be. <laughs> I can't be. We were close once. We started this whole Expendables thing together, but we had a falling out. What are you gonna do? Reload. Welcome to the 21st century. I could do that. You want to slip on a dress and give it a shot? <laughs> this is it. This is your team. Short notice. Yeah, very short. Hey, Marty. You should have killed me while you had the chance. You want the kids? Come get them. You were stupid enough to get yourself into this space. We're the only ones crazy enough to get you out of it. Insane. Courageous. But insane. Oh, It's as much of a modern remake, reboot, whatever, of the the classic 80s movies, the action films that I grew up loving, including remakes and reboots of the very same actors who were in most of those films. This came out in 2014. I mean, looking at the cast, the cast is phenomenal. It didn't do particularly well critically, and that's obviously why we're talking about it, but it, it ticked a lot of boxes for a lot of people because the, the, the physical money it took at the box office meant that I think this this potentially this franchise could have run and run. But looking at uh, the director, Patrick Hughes, um, who's not really done a great deal of movies as such, He's been involved in a couple of things, but this is kind of probably one of his biggest movies he's directed. Sylvester Stallone getting a heavy writer's credit for this as well as probably being one of the main producers as well on this and getting the ball rolling on this film in the first instance and when you look back at The Expendables 1. But let's talk a bit about the cast. I mean, it's phenomenal, isn't it? It's strange because in the first film, there was very much a case of Stallone and, and getting... The band back together and there was always that scene in the first one where Stallone, Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis were in one scene which was you know very short. The three of them were a lot more heavily involved in the second one but it just seemed like it, they're always trying to up the ante and mm. in, the, in the second one they had uh, they added Van Damme and Chuck Norris. In this one you've gone so far you've got Harrison Ford, probably the most, you know, in, in my world anyway, you know, it's Han Solo, it's Indiana Jones in yeah. this. Um, you've also got, I suppose it's slightly more problematic, um, Mel Gibson at this point, when I suppose he would have been fairly difficult to cast in a lot of things. His, yeah. um, you know, that was post his sort of videoed issues and or un- unpleasant comments yeah I, I know what you mean but he's had a having a bit of a renaissance at the moment where he's, d- he's d- diving into these really gritty unpleasant roles at the moment so this yeah. i guess might have been the kickstart of all that 
But yeah. the plot of this, the, I mean, the plot of this movie is pretty basic. It's basically all action-led, as you would expect it to be. But the plot synopsis goes a bit like Barney, who's Sylvester Stallone's character, augments his team with new blood for a personal battle to take down Conrad Stonebanks, who's Mel Gibson we've just spoken about, the Expendables co-founder and notorious arms trader who is hell-bent on wiping out Barney and every single one of his associates. So there's, it's kind of like a, a revenge kind of action movie where there's just lots of one-upmanship. But we, we talked about the cast a bit more, but Harrison Ford turns up towards the end. Is he in this? I can't remember where I see him at the beginning, but he kind of turns up and just looks like he's filmed most of his, his shots sat down on a fake uh, helicopter cockpit, right? He doesn't really interact with anybody face-to-face, does he? No, he has a very small um, meeting with Sylvester Stallone outside the hospital when uh, That's right. Eric has been shot. But again... That could have been done at the same time as he filmed his later scenes because he was just mostly in a helicopter with <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jet Li. Um, yes. Again, just CGI helicopters flying around. Um, insert random Russian state here. Um, yeah, God. I mean, Jason Statham returns as Lee Christmas. What a fantastic name. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger says, I mean, I, one thing I noticed reading out the, the, the cast list is, is their names, not their physical names, but their character names. So you've got Barney Ross, Lee Christmas, Drummer, Trench, Stonebanks, Doc, Gunner, Toll Road. And it, it all sounds like dodgy blokes' uh, clothing lines, doesn't it? From something like Giacomo, Thorn, Galgo, Mars, Luna, Smiley. I mean, who who writes these names? No one's called this in real life. They're the names that you see on the back of T-shirts on a stag tour, I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Terry Crews comes back and he's he's quite fun in this because he's all, I mean, he's definitely going for it. Yeah. Uh, Dolph Lundgren is this kind of, I don't know, his his character Gunner is a bit of a, an alcoholic, I guess. Um, Wesley Snipes is the mad the mad doc who's who's uh, rescued from a train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Arsenal Schwarzenegger comes out looking quite good, I think, actually. He's got... He's obviously used just for men on his beard because he looks pretty damn good, I noticed. What do you think about Antonio Banderas's take on sort of some sort of crazy, I don't know, um, who was the A-team character? Uh, Murdoch. Murdoch. It's kind <laughs> of like a take on Murdoch, isn't it, really? He's a little bit. He's, but again, he seems to be playing more like his character from Shrek than he does from <laughs> any of his more famous films. I mean, I suppose he, he was in the assassins with Stallone in the nineties, but you know, he was more famous for things like you know, Desperado and El Mariachi. But yet this character seems so lifted from the cat from Shrek that it's, yeah, he's, not he's Puss in Boots reversed, isn't it? It's Puss in Boots in a human form as opposed to, yeah. Very, and, I mean, it's very it's, strange. It was, yeah, it was good to see him. And, and again, he, he got a lot of screen time and a lot of lines in this. And I suppose the point that he had a lot of lines was, was really why his character was so, Annoying slash endearing delete is applicable. Heard you got a job. That's right. Where the hell are they? They're with me. And we're not? Gunner, I told you everything I had to tell you back at the bar. I stopped drinking so much. You want to get yourself killed? With those youngsters? Do us all a favor and get the hell out of here. Wheels up in ten. Come on. Well. If you guys wanted to fight, why didn't they just get married? You're seriously smoking next to aviation fuel? Amateur. Amateur assholes? Who you calling asshole, Grandpa? Grandpa's about to crush your windpipe. What is this? Your toy? Boy. 
You want to dance, big guy? Hey! It's just a job. Come on, let's go. Bunch of has been still trying to be hard. You're young and you're dumb. Essentially, there's this big, big dropping moment where Sylvester Stallone's character, the leader of these Expendables, they they clap eyes on this the, the big drug dealer, uh, not drug dealer, arms dealer, um, and who who's the guy who who started the Expendables at the very beginning. Um, so Mel Gibson's character, who's gone astray. He's got, they've got dark secrets, bad blood. He's trading with the guy from, is it a view to a kill? Is the, um, license to kill, but license yeah, to kill. it was so nice to see, you know, Robert Davy. He was in so many eighties films. You know, he was a yeah. bad, baddie in the Goonies uh, and the, the, right. the FBI agent in Die Hard. It was, I completely forgot he was in it when I, when I watched the film yesterday. And when he pops up as the, the buyer, you just kind of think, my God, you know, that I, I don't want to say scraping the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, because, you know, he was a menacing guy in the 80s, but you kind of think, blimey, you know, he now spends his days slagging people off on Twitter. And, you know, he got, I don't know if this was his last film, but yeah, I mean, he, he did have a small part, but yeah, it was so re- refreshing to see him as well. Yeah. And his, his Russian accent wasn't bad, I would say. <laughs> yeah. he, he obviously worked on it a bit. Yeah. I think in, in terms of the plot, we, we, we get this bit where they did the one up mission starts and there's obviously clearly a revenge uh, kind of subplot that comes out with uh, Stonebanks, Mel Gibson's character, you know, wanting to then continue to wipe out the, the sort of the main, the main expendables. And that's what brings Sylvester Stallone's character to bring in the new blood, which is kind of think where this movie may have lost a little bit of its traction is when we start to see younger characters come in and younger actors, if you like, or, new action star so you've got ronda rousey who's the she's a wrestler i guess i think i've seen her doing a little bit here and there that's her background isn't it she's a wrestler so yeah she was in like uh ultimate fighting champion or something but she's in wwf or whatever it's called now yeah but she's the only one of these people i, I knew you know and that, again that was from wrestling or whatever it was she did yeah victor ortiz and kellen lutz play these two other there's a couple of other ones as well but they play mars and smiley respectively and they are kind of a tech guy and another guy who does <laughs> young, younger stunts but they've got just as, as much bad attitude i think as as the older guys but to be honest they just want to get on with the job don't they i mean they're just keeping themselves to themselves dolph lundgren and uh, wesley snipes turn up and lee christmas they all turn up and start you know basically bullying them and intimidating them or trying to rile them up a bit when they've got no place to really there's nothing to do with them ultimately is it this thing this this mission that Sylvester Stallone's characters decided to go on alone with new guys they just turn up and start pestering these youngsters it's strange because you you look at these films a lot and you do see this you know it's very macho probably steroid enhanced characters you know always rule at the end of the film and and the fact that film has gone down a certain way where it's trying to recruit new people it's a shame that you know, with the benefit of hindsight, we know at this point there hasn't been a fourth one. But the whole attraction to the movies, in my eye, the first time round, was the fact that it was the people that you grew up watching and you want to see, you know, in some cases a small cameo, in some cases they're, you know, Stallone, for example, you know, he, he 
carries the whole film. But seeing new people that most film or average film fans won't have heard of or seen, it's a it's a bold move that I don't, I don't think particularly works in this because again, you know, you turn up to see the big names. You know, I suppose I, I haven't seen any of the Fast and the Furious films, for example, so I don't know if that's. But I suppose would that be a comparison? But I think it would. I think it would be to be honest, because I was whilst watching this, and I've seen the trailer for the Hobbs and Shaw spin-off of the Fast and Furious franchise, and it just right. it is the sim. It's the same same thing. It's just it's movies for a, a, a very specific audience, I think, because this movie hasn't got. This is not for everybody by any means. I mean, there's not. You can't come to this from from a certain angle and go, oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it for this reason it, it kind of you either you're either in there because you like you have that nostalgia for these these old action stars you you, you remember them in their in when they're in their prime and most of them are still in their prime to be honest they all look ridiculously good uh and you know you love uh smashy smashy fiery blowy uppy stuff <laughs> i do like that i mean obviously sometimes you want a little bit more of a, a bit more nuance maybe you want a bit more of a a, a plot and a bit more a bit, bit more a little bit more behind the eyes of the actors maybe but sometimes you just you just want to see smashy smashy blowy uppy don't you exactly and and the reason why <laughs> and i i did go and see this at the cinema at the time and oh, i wow. remember you know a big <laughs> But part of it was because, you know, having seen the previous two, I was like, how the hell are they going to get Harrison Ford and Kelsey Grammer and Mel Gibson into this film? How can they shoehorn all these guys in? And I, you know, part of it was a huge intrigue. You know, the very time that the, the first and the second film came out, you know, how did they, how are they going to engineer all these, these guys? And yeah, some of it was ludicrous, but it was, you know, a, a massive nod. You know, the, there was no subtlety involved that, you know, you watched action films in the 80s and the 90s. You wanted to watch you know, Chuck Norris and Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren come out of probably semi-retirement to do all this stuff. And it, and it was a massive you know, rush at the time to see it. And, and even here, you know, with, with this one, it was seeing Wesley Snipes and again making jokes about why, why was he in prison, tax evasion. Of course, that's yeah. what he really went into prison for. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's not subtle, but it was, for the most part, very entertaining. Yeah, there's a lot of knowing nods and winks in this, isn't there? And I think um, it, the, the dialogue is is clunky and a bit wooded, wooden, but you would expect that anyway. They're not; they've never been known as, or most of them have never been known as being fantastic actors. But um, I think it's quite easy to turn your nose up at some of the, the dialogue as well. But it definitely serves. A purpose. I mean, the the one-liners and the quips and the, the sort of tongue-in-cheekness of it comes thick and fast. And there's some ridiculous quotes. But yeah, it would be very, very easy to scoff at this sort of stuff. But I, I honestly, the, the the longer I sat with it and watched it, the the, the more I guess um, forgiving I became. This film isn't going to win awards, but you look at the. You know, the guys who are in it, and bear in mind, Stallone, when he wants to be, can be a very good actor when he wants to be. And, and again, he's, he's not really in this. You know, he tries, he has a scene in the bar where he's telling the, the group that they're sort of not wanted anymore, and there's a bit of a monologue there. You know, it's them, him going on a recruiting mission. You know, it's him looking for these new guys, and it kind of, it becomes very much for that part of the film, it's all about him. 
one of the things that strikes me as being probably to do with the rating more than anything else was the lack of blood. Mm. Because there's some gruesome deaths in this. I mean, people are shot at point-blank range and there are multiple stabbings and they, they do dispense with people so flippantly. And um, I know that's too expected with a, with a movie of this, of this genre and all the movies from the 80s, but I, it feels to me like the movies in the 80s that were action flicks, that they were a lot more gory. I think so. And again, like you say, I think I think that is something to do with the rating because if there's... And again, you know, we're not trying to be realistic, you know, with this film. But, you know, there's the part where Terry Crews gets that large machine gun out and essentially cuts people in half. And again, it's... You've got to look at it with the, the hindsight that, you know, I don't know what this... What rating this film was in the UK? I guess a fifteen. Probably. It's, it comes out as a PG thirteen, which well, obviously that's in the UK, so that would be a twelve, like twelve yeah. A, I guess, would it? Or maybe even yeah, it can't be a twelve A with I mean, the amount of brutals. I mean, if that's a twelve A, you could take a child along. <laughs> that doesn't seem right to me. That does not seem right. That's a completely unrealistic view on what it's like to you know yeah. of, of of human life and exist uh, and human existence. But then I've seen. Uh, but then you look at you know. Uh, the first Terminator film that was actually downrated recently a while ago that's now a 15 you know there's a lot of blood in that yeah so, but I guess there's a science fiction element to that that yeah. potentially makes it a little bit more digestible whereas the action sequences are pretty impressive and I guess what you would think that, that how would you what you would expect from this but they do ramp up and ramp up there's the whole big the the last big set piece of the movie where they're um in the the building which is being demolished and you know you just don't think that um sylvester stallone's knees or any cartilage that you might have could physically sustain all the all the leaps and jumps and falls they go through they go to hell and back in this building as it's being torn to shreds by tanks and and helicopters and everything else and then he's left to fight uh, right at the end you know with a with mel gibson stonebanks's character like a face-off on a one-on-one but he's not done anything yet so it was a really unfair fight sylvester's gone through <laughs> multiple enemies and then mel gibson turns up and basically wipes well almost wipes the floor with him i guess but you would expect that based on the fact that he hasn't done half the stuff that sylvester stallone's <laughs> just done it's like a computer game in that with the whole boss level what did you think of the action? Um, I think it was entertaining. I, I mean, again, like you say, going, this is the third Expendables film. We've got to up the ante so many times. Some of the, the stuff in it was, even by an Expendables standard, was quite ludicrous. The whole part, of the, again, with the, the young kid riding the motorbike around the building as it was due to blow up and doing all these, like, a cross between BMX and some sort of extreme parkour. It was yeah very odd. that was just weird i didn't yeah i suppose again they weren't things that you saw in the 80s films they were you know the ones that i remember things like commando or whatever where it was literally one man army kill everyone and, and often the same people the same extras six or seven times but everything's moving so quickly and i think that's quite a good thing that although the film does run a little bit longer than it potentially it should it's about it's over two hours but i think it could be forgiven because I think it doesn't take a great deal of time to get to, to the action set pieces or to, to get to the, the quippy one-liners. There's, apart from the few scenes with Stallone doing monologues and looking around at stuff, it, it is fairly quick uh, and, and not a bore to watch. I wasn't bored watching it. I felt like I could have been a little bit more drunk, but uh, <laughs> I think it definitely helps. And I don't know whether that's a... I don't know. I feel a bit 
weird saying it it's, it's sort of a chauvinistic or misogynist thing to say or a sexist thing to say rather that you know only men can enjoy this type of movie but i th- i've got a feeling you know i might be wrong but i think it's probably true <laughs> well i i mean it would have to be i mean there's only one female character in here who has more than one or two lines and i think and i've made a note and i don't know how accurate it is that you didn't see a woman on screen at all for nearly half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Again, you know, this isn't why people go, they don't go for for balanced dramas or anything. But then (laughs) again, going back, some of the the eighties films that, you know, again, talking about eighties, that these were heavily lent on were, they had quite strong or at least involved female characters. You know, if you go to, obviously Terminator being slightly different, but Commando, Robocop, Demolition Man, they had be female characters who were involved and drove the plot in, in a lot of ways. Whereas this you've got, and I hate to use the word, but token woman as one of the gang who happens to be probably the hardest of the lot. But you know, yeah. she, she's in there, gets hit on by Antonio Banderas. You know, I mean, he, I didn't see him trying on any of the guys. No. <laughs> but, you know, and again, that's, a, an issue and, and I, I guess when the film was reviewed people probably pointed that out quite heavily but I do find it strange that they, they take so many of the, the action films that it leans on and, and the cast but it leaves certain parts behind. Yeah to be fair that th- there was looking at it now in, in a different way there would be there's loads of room for them to introduce new new characters and to just improve upon the franchise that they've created by you know, having a more diverse cast, um, because as you say, there was there was plenty of uh, female action stars, well, not just action stars, but but stars in their own right at the time. There's a fantastic um, stunt as well where uh, Terry Crews's character <laughs> rides the boat straight onto the back of the pickup truck yeah. in a very in a very escape from LA way. Uh, that similar scene happened, but with a motorbike and. I just think the odds of that happening or being able to pull off is is almost impossible, but they always seem to be able to do it, plan it just right. I don't know how much of these films are done sort of <laughs> with practical stunts or with CGI, but I mean, the fact that someone has thought of that in the first place, but <laughs> if they've done that practically, that's incredible. So what are we saying then? Are we saying, I guess, bring the Expendables or to put them into retirement? Are we saying that there's this... This is a bunker movie, or is this? Should this be seen by the masses or whoever wants to see it, or are we burying this in the bunker for good? Um, I, I think there's enough in it for you know. It, again, it's, it's kind of a curiosity for a lot of people seeing how. Again, it, and it is you know being attracted by the names on the poster and the fact that maybe most of the names be, should have belonged on posters from sort of thirty years before make a big difference. But that while I didn't enjoy or like the, the whole emphasis on the younger characters you can see why they were doing it it just didn't mm. it didn't work but you know how do you shoehorn Frasier and Sideshow Bob into a film with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dolph Lundgren yeah. you know it's like watching it again yes there were parts of it you kind of tart and think oh my god this is ridiculous but it was because it was looking at the people who were in it you know, I'm not looking much further than that, but you know, it held enough for me to go back and think. You know what? It was amusing. It was fun, and yeah, there was a heavy emphasis on nostalgia. Mm. But then, that's kind of what 
this series of films is after anyway. And mm -hmm. maybe we are giving into to that whole idea and the whole marketing. But you know what? It knows what it's trying to do. And yeah, it, it delivers. You've got Mel Gibson fighting Sylvester Stallone in a building that's about to explode. What more do you want? You get a hard pass anyway, because, you know, as, you're, as a special guest, we always let the, the guest movies you know, remain in the open world because that's just courtesy. <laughs> but, but I agree with everything you've just said. And um, I would have quite easily, six months to a year ago, have poo-pooed this movie and have said, it's dog crap without even probably giving it another look at because I looked I watched it once thought it was fine and then thought you know I wouldn't recommend it to anyone but, but now seeing it again and doing the podcast and seeing some of the dirge over the last 12 months this is almost Citizen Kane compared to a lot of the other films we've done but to be honest with you if there's an Expendables 4 I'd be interested to see who's in it who else can they bring out from the 80s who's left Steven Seagal maybe Steve, but they probably would steer clear of him because isn't he a bit of a tosser <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they, they said that about Mel Gibson, didn't they? Uh, That's true. Maybe yeah. he can redeem himself in the next few months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's going to do something really good. Oh, I'm trying to think about that good, um, good 80s action stars. Well, not just 80s action yeah, stars. Yeah, I, mean, just... I mean, you'd have to start digging down the, the B and the C list, I think, wouldn't you? But... I think you would, wouldn't you? God. Molly Ringwald. <laughs> oh, God. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> Molly Ringwald in The Expendables. <laughs> It'd be a, 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 an all f a female-led uh, version of this would have Molly Ringwald uh, front and centre, I think. But yeah, but I know they'd, they'd probably try and cast Bill Cosby as well. <laughs> mm. Oh, God. <laughs> I went there, I went there. <laughs> Yeah. brilliant anyway it's been fantastic to, to to go into this a deep dive into the expendables free i've really enjoyed it what's next for you on the uh, on the peter max video club podcast um, um well i'm hoping that um I, i've got a, a short break coming up in between seasons but i'll be coming back with uh, perhaps one of the iconic 80s action films action-ish uh, predator um oh schwarzenegger is best i mean i guess that you know people think that's an action film i mean having having rewatched it quite recently that's bordering on sci-fi thriller itself but um yeah this that film is probably it's in my top five it's it's an amazing movie i love it so much it's so brilliant there's so um, much to it that again because there's an element it's not just action there is a, a hunter and a hunted element there's hmm. um the science fiction around the fact it's an alien from another world and it's just yeah for me again top top film yeah i'll be going everywhere gregory's girl <laughs> not far away as well uh, desperately That's seeking close. Susan from Predator to Gregory's Girl. Yeah, we. I try not to stick to the same theme, so you'll, I've I've got all the Bond ones out of the way now. I, I'm uh, still putting off doing the Star Wars ones because I know that if I make one mistake, I'll be jumped upon. Where can we find you online, and where's your podcast and and, and bits and um, pieces? So podcast is um, it's available on anywhere you get podcasts: Apple, Spotify, Acast. Um, also on Twitter at Betamax Pod. More Facebook, uh, Instagram as well. Usually posting old pictures of James Bond or Superman or Star Wars or something like that. So uh, mm. yeah, if, if it's um, getting in between me plugging the next episode about the Burbs or something like that, then uh, yeah, you'll, you'll find plenty of old movie po videos and clips and bits and bobs. So yeah, it's not not just a podcast, but there's um, yeah plenty of other bits for people as well. Well, thanks again, Richard, and and we'll have you on again soon to pick yeah. another. I don't know, eighties. Uh, but not 80s kind of... Not 80s one that will, um, yeah, maybe I'll break your rule and get one that will have to stick in a bunker. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's brimming. It's too much. We've got too many. We're trying to get rid of the movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh I've got plenty of those. Well, thanks again, Richard. Uh, thank you, Chris. If we were to draw a graph of my process, of my method, something like this, Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian, action. Wizard, you shall not pass! Cut! Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. Great interview, Chris. Good, wasn't it? It kind of makes you feel a bit more... I don't know, sympathetic about these movies sometimes. You think, God, they're not that bad. Right, now, our new feature. So, um, a little moment of reflection on the top fives. Yeah, thank, um, God, they, they, thank God that's over and done with. <laughs> we were kind of struggling at the end there. It was like, uh, 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 top five films feature milk. Um, uh, 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 uh. So, yeah, we were struggling a little bit there. So, we thought, rather than flog a dead horse, we would come up with a new feature. And this week, today, this week is the first of our new feature. Um, the new feature is called The Pitch. Um, Here's the jingle. sound like that's, that's going to be the strangest thing in the well, world I, isn't it <laughs> yeah, I hope that. I imagine it's amazing in my head it was like, like orchestral like layers upon layers of sound I don't know how you got a full orchestra in there how did you afford that but bear in mind that I may not have had time to do a jingle so <laughs> we could just leave the empty space there right. but, you know, <laughs> to put their own jingle in yeah just imagine it just imagine <laughs> the wonderful jingle well, I might just do a, a ting of a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> the unzipping of flies. <laughs> the, the premise of this pitch is basically we, uh, like loads of people, I guess, people have a, think they've got a good book in them now. They think they've got a, they could write a movie script or have a premise for a movie. We're kind of bringing that to fruition with this pitch feature. So we're each going to take it in turns to pitch an idea for a movie, essentially. Yes. And I'm going to go first. You're going to go first. You're going to pitch to me. So I'm going to put my, my, my producer hat on and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to see if what you pitch to me is and I'm going to try and find the holes, see whether or not it's worth doing. Yeah. I'm going to be a, a regular hard ass. Oof. So is it like the casting couch? I don't have to do anything unnecessary, do I? Not unnecessary, but cool. fully you get in there, son. I've, I've got one. <laughs> I had one lined up, but then I had a dream. Oh. literally literally last night uh and i wrote it down because i woke up and i thought wow that's amazing um there's a lot more to my dream but i'll pick out the bits that i thought were really interesting that could really kind of manifest themselves into a movie i've got a title okay. i've got a title but the title isn't necessarily something we could you know a title this is a working title it's a working title the working title is called cyberspace okay Sorry, next. <laughs> <laughs> this is an alien invasion movie with Ooh. a twist. Now, Ooh. are you familiar with the games like Fortnite? You must be. I'm, a f I'm familiar, yes. And you're familiar with uh, the online community of, of like uh, Overwatch, is it? And Call of Duty and all those kind of yep. first-person shooters or third-person shooters, right? So this is where the twist comes in. Scientists find a way to merge the real world with the online world and enlist the help of the mega popular shooter exclamation mark. Now I've created a whole online shooter called exclamation mark. So basically the symbol is the exclamation. Oh, right, okay. Right, okay. 
So, yeah, to help with the mega popular shooter to fight an alien race hell bent on destroying the human race. A small clan of geeks and kids find a way to defeat the hostiles by using mods and code to redesign the game in real time to outthink the threat of the invading aliens. So it's kind of like a day after tomorrow stra- uh, stroke ready player one type premise. Now, I want yep. to just go a little bit more. So uh, close your eyes and just... I've got, they're closed. So in, in my dream... That's, that's I work, how I pod, man. I just shut <laughs> the whole fucking time. <laughs> in, my, in my dream, um, several things were going on at the same time as dreams often do, but out my window, this alien invasion was taking place. And on the horizon, you, you know sometimes at epic end of film things where things are coming out of the sky in like a funnel and it's sucking up or devouring the world. It, it's been seen several times in different types of movies. So the sky is opening up. There's a sh- the craft of some kind and whirly sort of things going round and it's literally sucking up and devouring a kind of half hybrid between real world and like a a pixelated world and then swarming around the horizon are tiny because i'm looking at it from a distance across like uh, an ocean or a, a, a stretch of water you're explaining perspective to me i like it yeah and i can see millions oh. and millions of little oh pixelated avatars with their little avatar names you know when you play an online game and you get your little who's who on the top yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so name badge uh, yeah yeah and your name badges are on the top and they're being brought in on these kind of buses and aircraft carriers and they're all being you know all jumping off the back to fight what i can i presume to be aliens and this threat that's devouring the horizon and this is going on in the distance and i'm having another like more sort of home issue going on <laughs> uh, <laughs> the dream. So basically it's the end of the world. So I woke up with that in my mind. I thought that's a fantastic idea that, you know, this thing happens in real world. And whilst this is happening, the scientists have in, in whatever way, shape or form have found a way to, to harness the, the, the arsenal that is in the cyberspace or the online world of guns and stuff. And they've merged the two worlds together. And they yep. basically, this game is massive. It's the same as Fortnite, essentially, in Overwatch. And so hundreds and thousands and millions of people are playing it all the time. And then like, it's like the world go out and say, we need your best gamers. So you can imagine... So are, are the people aware that they're fighting alien force? It's like a call to arms. So this is kind of or like... are they just playing the game and they just happen to be fighting an alien force at the no, same time? No, 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 no. It's like a call to arms. So um, the, the government or the, the, you know, the world leaders and scientists that have devised a way to help combat the alien race because the human race is not doing a very good job. Um, you know, we're losing and, and yet... You know, they're able to merge these two. I don't know how there's a MacGuffin, okay? And I don't know what it's got to be a MacGuffin, yeah, yeah. So you, they find a way to do it. And so, you know, instead of a war room, you've got one of those online arenas where people, these kids go, uh, or adults go, and they, you know, they have these tournaments, don't they? So that would be like the war room, but then eight year olds are jumping on their consoles and, and joining in the fight. And, and, you know, you've got this clan. Originally, this clan were basically going to go finalists in like a, this online games um, tournament. And so they are a, a, a bunch of misfit kids. So that's your human element. You've got youngsters, old people, you know, an old fat guy uh, with a ponytail, and they, they're all online buddies. They don't they don't know each other. They speak they only speak to each other through this game, and yeah. they are the ones that find and harness a way to 
outwit the aliens uh, as they learn about how we're defeating them um, by redesign. So, uh, what vibe are we going with? Are we going with an Amblin? Is this kind of Goonies or are we looking more sort of dark Stranger Things kind of mood? Both. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Hazen's perspective. So, um, there, there, is, there is kind of harkings there of um, Ender's Game yeah, and Ready Player One, but well, ready, um, and weirdly, I think Ready Player One. I read the book, and at the end of that book, it teases another book by the same author. And in that, the guy sat there at school, and he sees a spacecraft in the distance, and it turns out to be, and he recognizes instantly as a spacecraft from a computer game he plays. So, yeah, um, I think that there's it's kind of like this this vibe there, but I think this is sufficiently different enough to not get sued. So <laughs> I think you're on yeah. for a winner there because, yeah, depending on who gets this, the budget behind this, this could be a, a feast for the eyes. I just liked the idea of, you know, a montage of kids of all ages and sizes and shapes, girls and boys and whatever, just jumping on their Xbox or whatever the console is or just make up yeah. console, uh, and stick it on their, their things after they, they get the thing. Log in now, you're ready, we're ready to go. Uh, and they, everyone gets a cachet of, of weapons that the, the game have developed and put into the game so everyone can just run and start shooting these aliens to bring down this threat. And obviously they win and save the day, but without sort of sacrifices here and there and everywhere. But um, yeah, that, that's fresh in my mind, and that's as far as I got with it. And that was a dream. That was a dream, yeah. Well, half of, it was, half of it was a dream, and the other bit I've kind of thought, Ooh. You had to take out the bit with, you know, the, the, the other bits and pieces. Yeah, the other bits and pieces. The bit where you suddenly have no trousers on. Um, <laughs> They're all my talk, dreams. You're, talk, you're talking to a large tomato, and you've no idea why you got there. Yeah, I'm late, late for work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I like it, Chris. I wanted to poo poo it, but I like it. I'd watch yeah. it. I definitely would watch this if someone said, "Hey, this is filmed by a bunch of kids that use a computer game to fight an alien force." I'd be like, "Tell me more." Yeah, I, I think um, if anything, this podcast at least it kind of is copywriting the these ideas in some way, shape, or form. As long as we release it and just say, "Hang on a second, you know, this is from if this gets legs and gets released, you know, someone might hear this and go, oh, I can write the script for this. Yeah. I can do a treatment for this, Chris. You know, let me have this idea. I say, give, show me the money. I don't think that we'd ever get any money. I don't. They don't have to be very nice people to do that. I don't think there'd be any sort of proof. We could say because they could say, "Oh well, I had the same dream at the same time, <laughs> same dream, same time." <laughs> so, am I getting an official green light on this one? Um, yeah, it's going to cost some money. Um, we're yeah. going to have to get many, many, many producers in on this, uh, which will ultimately distort your dream into a point where it will turn out to be a Pixar movie where <laughs> a boy makes friends with a console and they have lovely adventures together. Um, but as long as you're prepared for that, then um, I think we can get this done. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Now drop those trousers. <laughs> <laughs> so next episode or next interview episode will be your turn. So I've been very interesting, interested to, and I'm looking forward to rather to pouring scorn on your idea yes, uh, from a yes. great height. Cause I do like to do that to you. Yeah, uh, bring your tissues because this one's going to take some bodily fluids out of you. 
Oh man, that sounds interesting. So <laughs> if you like what you hear, um, download, subscribe and follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and get involved in all the chat and leave us a review and uh, give us four, five stars. That would be great. And, Let us know what you um, think about the pitch too. See if you like, do you like the feature? Would you yes. change the film? Would you, would you do the film? Would you, would you green light the film? Would you? Would you? Would you? <laughs> would you? So until next time. Goodbye. Cheerio. Thank you.